Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey, Bijan here. I just want to say thanks for listening to Eclipsed. If you like the show, please give us a rating because it really helps people find us. All right, now on to the show. In July of 1981, a killer is on the loose in California. And citizens are in a state of near panic. The killer was last seen in the Bay Area, and some residents are so terrified that they're preparing to flee their cities. The killer is tiny in stature. Very tiny. Because it's literally a fruit fly. A Mediterranean fruit fly, to be exact. If it had a mugshot, it would stare angrily at the camera with large, iridescent eyes. The medfly is a ruthless crop killer that threatens to take down California's multi-billion dollar agricultural industry. This bug can gobble up anything from oranges to olives. The state government has been fighting the medfly invasion for a year. The conflict has drawn on and on with no victory in sight. But now, it's not the medfly that many Bay Area residents are afraid of. They're afraid of their own government's plan to eradicate these pesky flies. On July 10th, 1981, California Governor Jerry Brown announces a plan he's been trying to avoid all this time. Aerial spraying of pesticides. The chemical is malathion, and it will be delivered by helicopter. It will be everywhere, from rural fields and orchards to urban skyscrapers and apartment gardens. And California needs to kill every last fly in order to ensure the infestation won't flare back up again. Nowhere is safe. The government administrator in charge of the eradication project speaks of the coming aerial spraying in the language of war. We have no alternative. We cannot beat this thing on the ground. Aerial application is our weapon of last resort. And, uh... Governor Brown's announcement about it comes with almost no warning. And that's a big reason why residents are so terrified. There's no time to prepare. A Stanford University professor tries to reassure the public about the safety of malathion. The data really speaks for this being an unusually safe drug, much safer, I might add, uh, than would be expected of diesel exhaust fumes from an ordinary American car. Malathion is a commonly used pesticide available in hardware stores and used widely by residents of these very cities in their own backyards. But this is different. It's not just one backyard. It's your whole city. Which means statements from experts aren't enough for some residents. I don't want to have to apologize to my daughter, who's three months old, 20 years down the line, and say, I'm sorry, all your children are going to be deformed because I didn't fight this. As the first day of the spraying campaign nears, the Red Cross sets up shelters outside the spray area, preparing to receive refugees fleeing the helicopters. Other citizens announce their plans to shoot down any choppers that come within range. But the uproar does nothing to stop the impending launch of the helicopters and their payloads of malathion. Soon, they'll take off from a secret launch pad in a cemetery in Los Altos. For Governor Jerry Brown and California farmers, the threat of the fruit fly outweighs residents' fears about multisyllabic chemicals. After all, America's food supply is at risk.
From Campsite Media, I'm Bijan Steven, and you're listening to Eclipse. Today, the Medfly invasion in California is mostly remembered by connoisseurs of California political history. But it was a big deal at the time. It even inspired a popular local band that called themselves the Medflies. The band plays mostly new wave music, but they've written a song called Medfly News, which pokes fun at Governor Jerry Brown while serving as a protest song against the Malathion spraying. In case you didn't catch that, the lyrics go, to spray to kill must be a thrill. And sometimes it is. We've all killed insects. But infestations are a little different. I live in New York, where most people, including myself, have had a personal experience with a pest they couldn't get rid of. A couple apartments ago, I had mice, because it was the beginning of COVID, and everyone was staying at home and cooking, and throwing away things in the alley. Which meant that there were piles of food there for the little critters that occasionally go bump in the night. In any case, I moved shortly thereafter. And no, I didn't win against the mice. It's their apartment now, probably. To me, this kind of thing always seemed like a kaiju story. If you're unfamiliar, think Godzilla or Pacific Rim. Godzilla, king of the monsters! Though kaiju stories generally feature giant monsters. Even so, I think small pests can grow large enough in your mind that vanquishing them feels like a similar accomplishment to killing a kaiju, scale-wise. And that's kind of what happened in California. Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? The story of the Medfly invasion is an epic saga, a long-fought battle waged across the entire decade of the 1980s. The crisis of how to deal with the Medflies spans the administrations of two different governors. It's a classic example of the tension between science and politics. They don't mix too well, especially under pressure. Unless you're Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day, or the fantastically efficient bureaucrats in Shin Godzilla, which you should definitely watch. The story of the Medfly is also a political thriller that, as we discovered during the course of our reporting, has a lot to say about the future of agriculture. This is the first part of our three-part series on the Medfly invasion. This is episode one, Lord of the Medflies. Before we go any further, we must come face to face with the Mediterranean fruit fly. The medfly is a horrifying creature that haunts the nightmares of farmers throughout the world. And if you work for the United States Department of Agriculture, the medfly is a formidable adversary. To better understand our foe, we spoke to USDA research biologist Nick Manukas. He called in from his base in the medfly battleground of Hawaii. Mediterranean fruit fly is, is a very serious issue globally because it is what they call polyphagous. It, it infests many different kinds of fruit. So there are hundreds of, of types of varieties of fruit Mediterranean fruit fly will lay its eggs in. The other thing is a high reproductive capacity. So the populations grow very quickly when they're not controlled. So the medfly reproduces quickly and is not picky about the fruit it infests. It can wipe out lots of different types of crops very quickly. But in my opinion, that's not the worst thing about them. Okay, so you know that scene in the movie Alien where the alien bursts through that guy's chest? That's how young medflies emerge from fruit. They explode out of the fruit they infest, turning any innocent apple or orange or tomato into a defiled, rotten husk. 
The netfly is a about the size of a housefly. It is a, a brown fly, mostly, with brindled wings, very colorful eyes. The female has a small spike on the back, which she uses to put her eggs uh, in the fruit. And where do medfly babies come from? Nick Manukas has a vivid explanation. The male will do a dance, he'll fan his wings uh, to, to spread a pheromone uh, that's coming out of his posterior end. The female will, will approach and will... So the mating dance begins, um, if she's which made me wonder, uh, what kind of music puts medflies in the mood? Well, this may be my bias, but I, I hear disco, personally. Maybe the Weather Girls. Some, something like that. Anyway, once fertilized, the female can lay lots of eggs in fruit. One important detail about that is that the female Mediterranean fruit fly tends to mate only once for life. Oh. Yes, and, and all, of the, all of the subsequent egg batches that she lays are from that one mating. Uh, so they mate for life. Yeah, and not, not like swans. They don't hang out together or anything like that, uh, as far as we can tell. But uh, she can lay eggs uh, every, every few days. After the eggs chest burst out of the fruit, they enter a pupil stage in the ground. Then they emerge out of the ground. They become sexually mature within a couple weeks, and the cycle starts all over again. Okay, thank you, Nick. Aloha. So now that we've come face-to-face with our adversary, it's time to go back into the past and meet a scientist who was actually on the ground for California's medfly invasion during the 1980s. Dr. Jim Carrey is a distinguished professor of entomology at the University of California, Davis. Every time I check into a hotel, I go, oh my goodness, uh, Jim Carrey. But uh, he has two R's, I have one. (laughs) They don't pick up that distinction. uh, By the way, I have a graduate student, Sarah Silverman, so... uh, Dr. Carey is not very popular with the USDA because, as I mentioned, science and politics don't always mix. The USDA would just uh, strangle me, you know, hearing some (laughs) of this, uh, believe me. But I'll get to that later. Right now we're with Carey when he's just a young assistant professor studying the medfly before the 1980 invasion. And even then, he's no stranger to political difficulties. Carey actually started his research studying a different pest before academic politics shunted him into medfly research. But once he discovered the medfly, he fell in love. They're really beautiful. They're really beautiful. And uh, See, I think they're extremely ugly, but I'm also not an entomologist. Well, they are as, as maggots, but as uh, insects, they're black and gold. And this whole group, the tephridae, these true fruit flies, there's a lot of them that are re- really pretty, very pretty, I think. Manukas said the same thing, actually. They're, they're pretty beautiful, too. You know, that's another thing a lot of people don't appreciate. They're pretty. I still don't get it. You just need them presented a certain way, and they might become more interesting. Because i got to get some nice photographs. Anyway, medflies first came on the radar of California farmers way back in 1910 when they were discovered in Hawaii. The flies had been accidentally introduced from Australia only a few years before. It's a pretty easy thing to do. Their eggs can just hitch a ride in infected fruit. And then California growers just freaked out because there's a lot of traffic between Hawaii and California. Young Dr. Carey studies medflies in Greece and Hawaii. He's gathering as much knowledge as possible, waiting for the flies to appear again in California. And then it happens. They found medflies June 5th, 1980, on exactly the same day, 4,400 miles apart. On that day, a single male medfly is found in a trap in Los Angeles. 
And on the very same day, two male medflies are found in a trap in Santa Clara, in the Bay Area. The medfly in Los Angeles is adjacent to a dwindling but still important agricultural area in the San Fernando Valley. But the medfly in Santa Clara, that's near the heart of what's known as California's salad bowl, the epicenter of a multi-billion dollar agricultural industry that exports food throughout the United States, and also to countries all over the world. One medfly or two medflies can shut down whole regions of the state. And that's exactly what's about to happen. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. When the Medflies first appear on June 5th, 1980, Jerry Brown is in his second term as governor. He's in his early 40s, with thick brown hair parted in a way that screams, I'm a politician. He's a phenomenon of sorts, because as a result of his promising less, he's the most popular governor the state's ever known. And I think people appreciate someone in government being honest with them and telling them that this is the way it's going to be. And in fact, he's the heir to a Golden State political dynasty. What made you decide to go into politics? I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like an interesting thing to do. And uh, I suppose if my father was a doctor, I might have become a doctor. He happened to have been a lawyer and a governor, so I became a lawyer and a governor. The younger Brown's an ambitious man who envisions a future for himself in national politics. He's just come back to his duties as governor after failing to win the Democratic nomination for president. His platform had promised to, quote, protect the earth, serve the people, and explore the universe. His nickname was Governor Moonbeam. One day, Mr. Moonbeam is approached by his director of agriculture, who says that he should worry about three tiny fruit flies caught in traps in different parts of the state. He doesn't take it very seriously. I mean, they're flies. How much damage could they possibly do? Brown declined to speak with us, but he did discuss his handling of the medfly crisis in an oral history project for the University of California, Berkeley. There, he says he wasn't paying very close attention when he heard the word medfly for the first time. The public doesn't really care either, because no one who's not a farmer has any idea what a medfly is. Of course, the farmers are terrified. They demand swift action. They want Brown to go after the medfly with pesticides. But Brown thinks spraying malathion is politically and environmentally questionable. The, the malathion, when it got on a car, it chipped the paint and it killed the fish. So I said, well, if that's going to go on little kids' bicycles, this doesn't sound good. Brown also forms a commission of scientists to advise him on the medfly invasion. Jim Carrey, the young entomologist at UC Davis, isn't on this panel. But he says someone on it gave Jerry Brown bad advice. He, he told Jerry Brown and the committee that the medfly couldn't survive here uh, in the long term because, uh, well, we'd had a couple of mild winters, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's absolutely wrong. It's simply wrong. It's not called the medfly because it lives in, uh, you know, the tropic. It lives in the Mediterranean. Guess what we have here in California? It's just crystal clear. My goodness, this thing could take over the state if it wants. The medfly doesn't want to take over the state, per se. 
But it does want to lay eggs in a lot of fruit and have dozens of generations of babies as fast as biologically possible. That's just what nature does, which means the humans have a problem on their hands. Next on Eclipsed, scientists wonder, what if the solution to medflies is more medflies? Eclipse is a production of Campside Media. It's hosted by me, Bijan Steven, and written by Michael Canyon Meyer. We're produced by Lane Gerbig and Joe Hawthorne. Allison Haney is our production assistant. Archival research by Caitlin Rathie. We're fact-checked by Alex Yablon. Our engineer is Garrett Tiedemann. Our theme song is by Doug Slaywin. Our executive producers are me, Bijan Steven, and Michael Chessburster Canyon Meyer. The executive producers at Campside Media are Matt Scheer, Adam Hoff, Josh Dean, and Vanessa Gregoriadis. If you want to say hello or what's up, drop us a line at eclipsedcampsidemedia.com or tweet at us at EclipsePod. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at Bijan Steven on Twitter and Twitch. On Instagram, I'm Bijan Cakes. We also have a phone number. Leave us a message, pitch us a story, or tell us your nightmares. Give us a call at 949-490-2127. You might be featured on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.